gospel message is brought to you by the redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing word of God. Just reach where man cannot reach. And let Jesus be glorified. In Jesus' marvelous name we pray. Please turn with me to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6. It's a fairly long passage, our test for the day. And I read from verse 24 through to chapter 7, verse 2, and then verses 17 and 20. So 2 Kings, chapter 6, verses 24 through to chapter 7, verse 2. And then I read verses 17 and 20 of the 7th chapter. I read from the New King James Version. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of dove dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Verse 26. Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, Help my lord, O king. And he, the king, said, If the lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the winepress? Then the king said to her, What is troubling you? And she answered, This woman said to me, Give your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, Give your son that we may eat him. (laughs) But she has hidden her son. Now it happened. When the king heard the words of the woman, that he tore his clothes, and as he passed by on the wall, the people looked. And there underneath, he had sackcloth on his body. Then he said, God do so to me, and more also, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. But Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him, and the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, Do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Look. When the messenger comes, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. It's not the sound of his master's feet behind him. And while he was still talking with them, there was the messenger coming down to him. And then the king said, surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord? Um, Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Chapter 7, verse 1. Then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Verse 2, so an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, look, if the Lord will make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes but shall not eat of it. Verse 17. 
Now the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge over the gates. But the people trampled him in the gate and he died. Just as the man of God has said, who spoke when the king came to him. So it happened, just as the man of God has spoken to the king, saying, two seers of barley for a shekel and a seer of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow about this time at the gate of Samaria. Then that officer had answered the man of God and said, Now look, if the Lord will make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see with your eyes, but shall not eat it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. May the Lord bless the reading and hearing of his word in Jesus' name. This account of scripture tells exactly what is wrong with us as humans and why God is called a righteous, faithful God. There are two main parts that I see here, and I'll just share with you briefly, and hopefully we'll find time to pray. Number one, part one I call the fourth line in humans. The fourth line in humans. Part two I call the faithfulness of God. The fourth lines in humans, and I call the second one the faithfulness of God. Fourth lines means even though everything looks intact, if you look closely, there are errors that we all carry as human beings, and an awareness of such errors will help us to rise above the opposition that the enemy brings before us. Very interesting story. I hope you got the story. That's why I read it. Is the story clear to everyone? Right. We saw in this very interesting story, the first thing was what is called a siege. A siege. The Bible mentioned in verse 24, it said, Then Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, laid a siege. And practically everything that we go through in life that is significant is due to the siege of the enemy. A siege is something standing at your door, not allowing you to go out and express yourself as God has ordained it, or something stopping the blessing of God from coming to your life. Siege. Siege. Enemy at the door. And when the enemy comes, it doesn't come lightly. In Isaiah chapter 59, in verse 19, Isaiah chapter 15, verse 19, he says, So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in, he said, When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will do what? We lift up a banner or a standard against him. The enemy comes in like what? Like a flood. The problem with siege is that they don't always look like siege in the beginning. They look like ordinary little problems. When this thing started in Samaria, even though Elijah, in his own time, prophesied there would be a famine, even though in this time, because of their sin, there was a famine again, they didn't see it as anything big. And many a times, what turned out to be a major problem in our lives, they started as little things that we do not even know they are as big as they are. And the common thing is that we apply some plasters, some little band-aids, that the Americans will call it, to the problem, and they usually do not suffice. 
In Luke chapter 15, there was a young man. You remember the story? We call him the prodigal son. He took his wealth from the father and went to a far country. And the Bible said, (laughs) the first thing that happened to the guy was that he wasted all his money. But he did not know how bad things were. And in incremental order, things were getting worse until he got to a point he said, enough is enough. I believe in the name of the Lord, somebody will say, enough is enough here today. They usually start small. Usually start small. Health issues usually start small. Perennial failure in families. We just say it's, an, it's just one of those things. Even children, they don't attain onto where they should attain. We just say, well, it's just going up issues. The finance, the fridge broke down last week. The washing machine, the following week. You say it's just one of those things. Now, the normal MOT that you have been passing, you don't pass it anymore. Well, it happens to everybody. Before you know it, a siege has developed. Things that you don't do before, where you willingly give of your offering unto the Lord, you start skipping them. Eventually, you don't pay tithe anymore. You don't know the siege of the enemy has come. The problem with siege is that when they come, they don't come obvious but they come in little amounts until they become very big. During seeds as well, you can take note of that, human beings, we tend to recalibrate our lives. We tend to reset. What do I mean by recalibrate? Which means you start to adapt and you think that that's okay. See these people in the story we read. And it's such a sad thing that we human beings, we call it, what do we call it again? We, we call it necessity is the mother of invention. Most of those inventions, especially if not ordered by the Lord, they are evil inventions. When the family was proceeding and going on, instead of doing the right thing, which I will mention to you in a moment, what were they doing? They were devising means to circumvent it. Number one, they started eating what they should not eat as Jews. If you go back to Leviticus chapter 11, we have not got time to read it, or Deuteronomy chapter 4, it mentioned the things that were kosher. Kosher in Hebrew word means proper. One of the things that is not kosher is what? A donkey. In Hebrew, you're not supposed to eat a donkey. It is termed as unclean and unproper. And you know the rules that's given in the Bible? If you also want to eat things that are kosher, and I think it's good for us as children of God, though we are not bound by food anymore, he said it must chew the cord, it must be a ruminant, like the cow or like the sheep or like the goat. That is what they eat, they bring it up again. And I've not got time to tell you the theological importance of that. And it must also have a parted hoof. Now, a donkey has got a parted hoof but does not do what? Now, when their condition got so normally, the Jews is the last. I don't know anyone that would love to eat a donkey to start with, to be honest. That are donkeys or horses, those things. That, anyway, things got so bad for them, they are now putting an amount of money on the head of a donkey. How much meat is in the head of a donkey? I know some people, you eat uh, goats. You say, yeah, I know. But I don't know how much meat is there. That it got so bad that people were trading in donkey's head and they were putting price on it. And possibly some of them would be saying, ah, 
I struck a good bargain today. What did you get? I got a donkey's head. Things that should not be mentioned. Many times as believers, we slide so down. We started settling for things we should not settle for. My heart cry for us today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is that we shall come off that. Maybe they ran out of what to cook with because they were buying the droppings of doves. I mean, how much of dropping will doves carry? Before, if it's made the droppings of donkeys or the droppings of cow or whatever, and usually maybe they use that to do, you know, to make fire. I hope they were not eating it. I pray that in the day of challenge, you will not find yourself doing what you normally would not do. Uh, It's something that would debase you. And of course, they went to the greatest of all extremes. What were they doing? Eating. They became cannibals. Please, before the siege turns you into whom you should not be, you will rise up and fight today. You will rise up. You see, brethren, there's no level to which human beings cannot fall. Don't deceive yourself. Mention that to you. You are sitting down there pretty. I'm standing here by the grace of God. I'm standing here preaching, holding microphone, looking decent because of the grace of God. Remove God. All of us, we shall be worse than the worst. Never lose sight of that. And these were possibly very decent people who started negotiating. I mean, how did he get to that? You kill your son and eat. And the normal human dignity departed from them. They can't say, well, if I die, I, I cannot eat my child. Can I eat my child? Some even believers started consulting books they never consulted before. Some are probably even trying to see the medium. You say the problem has been there for long. Some they send some occulting materials from abroad. And you say, let me just try it. This problem has been for long. Please, you will not go down that route. God is still God. And at times, thoughts that come in your mind, you tell, will tell you if you are sincere with yourself how depraved nature human beings are. Thoughts that you probably entertained. But these were these people who were doing all these things and things went so bad for them. May I please warn you, if at work someone is being nasty to you, it might turn into a siege very soon. Fight back now. And I'm asking you to be writing petition, go to the place of prayer. Maybe your neighbor with someone has been trying to be very unkind unto you, unkind to your children. It might be a siege that is in the pipeline. Stand up in the Lord and fight back. It might be family members that never given you trouble before. One after another, you started finding that things are rising up against you. Whoever's fault it may be, it might be your fault, it might be their fault, but you might be in for a siege. Fight back. Fight back. It's going to be a lot easier if you nip it in the bud and you don't allow it to go out of what it should be. So, when all these things are happening, the question is that what do we do? Amen. What do we do? And this is where the human fault line comes in. 
or more of the human fault lines coming. Some of the fault lines I've told you, as human beings, we have capacity to go to the lowest level, to miss things when they are happening. We have the capacity to recalibrate our lives. There are all things you need to look out for in your own life. Don't, and the enemy can knock in the, on your door tomorrow. Don't allow him. But another fault line, another set of fault lines come in the way we respond unto these seeds when they come. The first human reaction when seeds are there is that we calculate in our heads and say, what can I do now? That's our first instinct. The first instinct is to look inward. What can I do? But more often than not, it doesn't look well. It doesn't end well. I've seen through the histories, the little that I know, when either nations or companies or communities or even individuals or even churches are faced with problems, genuine problems, and they go down the route of the first human instinct of let's do something. I call it a conjure. They conjure something up. 1933, somebody rose up right there in Europe. Very powerful man. And if you are a student of history, you will find out that by 1941, he started doing the unthinkable. He came up with an idea. He conjured. Was there a problem that wanted to solve? Of course, there was a problem. And that has become a major blemish on human history. When six million people from another group or ethnic group or whatever, they were murdered because somebody conjured some, to solve a problem. If you study history, there was a problem. It didn't stop there. Somebody down in eastern through southern Africa woke up in 1972, if I remember very clearly, and he was going to solve a problem there legitimate problem and it drove away all the people that were you know from south southern part of asia if you know history as well very well you will know who i'm talking about and yet the country went down 1983 somebody else in another country west africa decided to drive out their neighbors i was in school at that time well just out of school and it became a mantra of Ghana must go because somebody conjured something up in their mind because there, definitely there was a problem to be solved. Also in our lives, we tend to conjure solutions up. Be careful. Don't conjure something. As individuals, when something is not going right amongst couples, the first thing is that you, are, you think of how can we ratchet up the problem? How can we ratchet up the pressure rather? Against children, against spouse, against siblings. Don't conjure things up. Wait for the Lord. Even in churches, Finances are going down, or things are not happening. And that's why we've known that we don't want to conjure anything up unless God has us to do it. You then preach, preach harder messages on giving. Don't conjure it up. No, don't. No, you don't need to do that. Unless God tells you to do so. And I'm not asking people doing it. Not. No, don't, don't conjure it. Don't just come up with something that's human. It's purely human. Companies. The cycle of problem in the oil industry, you are quite aware of it. Immediately things go that the first thing they do, they sack people. Then when they find out that the things pick up again, they don't now have good hands to do it. And they don't start from, in fact, the last one, they were very careful in letting people go or knowing who to keep. Don't conjure things up. Don't conjure things up. They conjure things up. They started saying that, you know, donkey said it's sweeter. The next thing we do as human beings, after we finish conjuring things up, we then begin to collaborate. 
That's why two women can come together and say, you know what? We can beat this. Blind trying to help the blind. Don't let your first instinct be to consult or collaborate with human beings. Don't let it be. I'll tell you what you should do in a minute. That should know. This is not what God has called you to do. But when we are facing trouble, in summary, very quickly, I've mentioned to you, don't look inward. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6, don't look inward. Whatever comes your way, don't look inward. That's not a first step. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And in all your ways, and he shall, verse 7, very important, do not in your fear the Lord. Now, I'm talking about fault lines of human beings. And I know, as I'm saying these questions are coming up in your mind and in my mind. Shouldn't I do something? Do you want me to just fold my hands? Of course, I'm praying. I need to help myself. If I don't help myself, who will help me? Do not be wise in your own eyes. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't look inward. Number two, don't look around. Don't look around. Isaiah chapter 31 verse 1. Isaiah 31 verse 1. He spoke about how they were going around. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses. Who trust in chariots because they are men and in horsemen because they are very strong. But who do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. They do not look unto God. Psalm 146 verse 3. Psalm 146 verse 3 talks about those who put their trust in princes. Psalm 146 verse 3. Do not put your trust in nor in a son of man, in whom, and Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9, he graduated it. Listen carefully. Is the Lord talking to you here? Because something is about to change in our lives. My prayer this morning is that it's going to be a wholesome change. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put... And if you don't want to agree with that, he also said it is still better to trust in order than to do what? Because you may argue with the first one and I say, well, it's okay, I'm not putting confidence in mine. Men are ordinary, they are just plebeians, they are just, you know, you know, they are just ordinary. But, you know, in princes, I want to put my trust. He said, don't even put your trust in princes. Even though they may have command over situation, don't put your trust in them. And I'm putting a lot of pins into the balloons now, and they are busting. Where do I turn? You know what? Always look first to God. He may direct you to a prince. He may direct you to a man. But look first to God. Look first to God. That was what Elijah did. He made a pronouncement. He said, there will be no food in Samaria, and there was no food. Israel was in serious famine. And God told him in verse 3 of chapter, one, of chapter 17 of, of 1 Kings. He said, go on to Brook Cherith. He said, there I will fill you 
And ravens were bringing food to him and we are bringing water. When Brook Cherry died, God told him, go to Zarephath. Who told him to go to Zarephath? It was not like you and I, looking for where can I find food. He depended on God. May you hear the voice of the Lord. It makes a world of difference. We waste too much time on human permutations. You know, many times we want to save time, we lose time. Time is going. And we go from place to place. And thank God for Jide, you know, uh, Pastor Jide that spoke on, 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 on Friday. Very good example he gave unto us from the issue, from the story of the woman with the issue of blood. You know, Matthew chapter 8 or Mark chapter 5. Very, very, and the woman was going around, wasting more time. Instead of, if, if you take two weeks or two months to seek the face of the Lord to tell you what to do, it's better than going everywhere, and two years on, you are then coming back to the Lord. We rush. Let him talk to you. Even if you are not hearing God, then ask him to give you a new life and be born again. Because as many as are led by the Spirit of the Lord, they are what? They are the sons of God. I mentioned that to you. The first thing that I learned, and God helped me, the first Christian book I read after I gave my life to Christ, I've given close to 30 out now. I'm giving out no more. I've got still got to copy. Immediately I finish someone like that, people come to me, Pastor, that book, you know, because I always have a spare copy. No, don't come to me today. I'm not giving. It was by Kenneth E. Again. What was the title some of you have given you before? If you don't remind me, some of you, I can see your faces here. I will withdraw my book. Eh? I to be led by the Spirit of God. It is very paramount. Okay, don't look in what? Running out of time. Don't look. Where should you look? Look up. Our title is Look Up. And everything we've done since we started, almost every song we sang has been talking about looking up. I made you too small in my eyes, oh Lord. Forgive me, for I believe in a lie that you are unable to help me. But now, oh Lord, I see my wrong. We might show yourself strong. And with my Be magnified to God. Be magnified. You are highly, you are highly exalted. And there is nothing, and there is nothing. Aha. Yes, Lord. Stop there. When you look at God more and more, what happens to God? He gets bigger. You know why we are not seeing God? We are not looking at Him. We are pretending. We are looking at solutions here and there. Oh, 
that we will change this year. Oh, that we will look at God. Oh, that as I'm preaching here, and I've told you, I prayed that prayer this morning, and I'm telling you rather, I prayed that prayer this morning. Hide me, Holy Spirit, do your work. We are worshiping, we felt the presence of the Holy Spirit because we said, Lord, it's you, just you. Oh, Lord, my sorrow, your promotion does not come from your boss. Uh, 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 uh. Just follow me. I'm the one, the choir master. Your promotion does not come from your boss. Uh, you don't understand. If you've been long in employment, the one who loved you last week can suddenly become a tiger working against you this week. I pray it doesn't happen. But if he does, God removes him and brings another one to favor you. Simply because your eyes are not who? We depend too much on human being. The Bible calls human being as well. Whose breath is in his? Is in his mouth. Is in the mouth. Another one calls another nostril. That is, he can breathe his life any moment. Look up to God. We take a few Bible verses. And if the Lord leads us, we stop there. Got quite a few things written down, but it's not about that. Let me jump before we go to Bible verses. Please, I beg of you from now on, all this issue of freaking out, when we have challenges, let it stop. We freak out too much. Some of us have, have had a lot of things. Maybe the policeman stops you, you freak out, or maybe, you know, don't freak out. You have God. Look to God. And I'm now going back to some of the points that you must take in out. That any time, any challenges we call, any challenge we come in your life, any time you face any opposition, before you do anything at all, I want your first statement. I believe that's by the prompting of the Spirit of the Lord. Your first response will be, thank you, Lord. What shall I do now? It's a diagnosis. Thank you, Lord. What shall I do now? In everything, give thanks. It's a report about yourself, about a child, about a job, about an interview. Thank you, Lord. What shall I do now? I've not come to give you false promises. I've come to give you the mind of the Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord. What shall I do? That's how to look up. Amen. And number two way to look up. I've started talking about how to look up. I'll come back onto some Bible verses because we might use them to pray. That's why I've jumped to that. Now, number one way to look up is that always when anything happens, good or against your expectation, the first thing will be, thank you, Lord, what shall I do now? Amen? If you say that from the bottom of your heart, it will help you. Someone once challenged me. He said, I've been telling, you know, this person that just calm down, please, just wait on God. And I was standing very more, very theoretical. And, you know, someone even told me one time, I was counseling someone, you know, and guiding the person in marriage. And the person sincerely believed that, look, this marriage is not going to work. It's, it's just, just wasting my time. That, you know, that if I were in this marriage, I would have taken the step the person wanted to take many, many years back. And the person told me, he said, I love people like that. He said, look, I see, nearly pointed the finger. I said, you are saying that not because you believe. You are saying that because you are just a pastor. That is your only throwing party line. 
You are only reading from a script. You are not, you are not real. I didn't take offense. No, 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 I didn't take offense. And so not long, anyway, by the grace of God, the story is a fantastic turnaround. One of the sweetest marriages I've known. Blessed on all areas. And someone not long ago challenged me as well in relation to what I'm saying. That's why I brought that example. The person challenged me, all this, always wait on God. Pray, let God do it. He said, have you ever done it? I think the person puts it more subtly than that. But the longer short of it is that, well, keep telling me what you can't do yourself. Can I wait on God? I said, that's what I do every day. The number of accusations I get, the number of innuendos, the number of requests I get, I'm pressured to make a decision now. Phone calls, text messages, WhatsApp messages, emails. And the pressure is that, look, if you don't answer me now, well, you are losing favor with me. Oh, I wait. We lose favor with you, I gain favor with God. Brethren, please, let something change. Don't give in to pressure to do something immediately. Amen? And drastic, let me define drastic. Amen? If there's a medical emergency, calling 999 is not drastic. You follow me now? If you are not fasting and you are really hungry and you go to the kitchen and find the next food available, that's not drastic. You understand? Why do we preachers say that? Because I do hear your heart when I'm preaching. And every word that may be raised up, I want to demolish them now. So can you listen clearly to me now? Uh huh. So what I mean by drastic are things more often than not, they are not time dependent and they can wait. Believe you me, many things in life can. And I'm not asking you to do that. Jesus Christ, in a situation with the family that he loved most, possibly more than the family of Peter, he was asked to come and do this. It was a clear cut matter of life and death. He demonstrated unto us that. He can still wait. He waited, didn't he? Four days later, he turned it around. I'm not even asking you to do that. There are many things in our lives that can wait. Don't move. Don't give yourself onto the pressure of acting drastic or taking drastic step or acting what I can call irrationally. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I skip the rest point. Hmm? I skip the rest point. Let me now quickly, because of my time, look at, um, praise the Lord. Look at this issue of looking up. Amen? Will you look up? Are you sure? Will you be a total change? Including me, a total change. It is sweet. I mean, I have moments in my life when I completely looked up. Look completely. Me respect what people are saying. One of the things we learn about looking up is this as well. Listen carefully to this. One of the things we learn about looking up is that the higher you go in life, in responsibility, the more likely it is for you to look up because you have no one to look to. Take for instance, easy example, in our church group, Redeemed Christian Church of God, to be really, yeah, you will have counselors, our general overseer, 
But believe you me, he has no choice but to look to God. The simple reason everyone is looking up to him. And so he had no choice. He better, he better just have a robust relationship with God. People are sick, they are local parish pastors have prayed for them, and all the hierarchies have prayed for them. Even ministers from other churches who call them even the leaders of their own big network of churches worldwide. They pick up a phone and call him. He has no choice. It's just, just don't turn onto people because everyone is looking up onto you. A father in a home, yes, you can talk to your wife. At the end of the day, you carry the can. I hope you guys you know that. Uh, you're not answering me? Uh, what makes us man is more than our anatomy. Far, far more. Irrespective of, and more often than not, I tend to find out that where the women are secure, they sleep well. You keep awake. If your wife is sleeping well, it must be that you are doing well. <laughs> it must. I never said that before, but the woman is tossing in bed. Now examine yourself because she should sleep well. She should just turn on to you and say, oh, that, uh, I'm coming to you, women. I'm coming, I'm coming. <laughs> no, I have nothing. I have nothing. I have nothing adverse for you today. So the higher you go, the more you must learn to look up unto God. Are you hearing me? And I don't like pastors saying that they have their own problems. Nobody's interested in my problem. You shouldn't, actually. Pray generally for me. Amen. But the truth of the matter is that you still want to see pastor after service. You better learn how to look up to God. You better learn. And once, even as a woman or as a man, once you start operating at that level, even though you have not got the title to operate at that level, God begins to lift you up. So you are now operating at the level of those who look at God directly. You don't look at men anymore. Before you know it, God then elevates you in titular sense into the position in which people look up unto you. Don't make a habit of constantly looking up unto human beings. Amen. All right. Because of our time, let's look at a few Bible verses about looking up unto God. Now, I got this looking up unto God um, from Jesus Christ, my Lord. Because throughout the scriptures, there are so many instances when he raised Lazarus in John chapter 11, verse 41, the Bible says he looked up unto the heavens. He looked up, John chapter 11, verse 41, he looked up unto the heavens. In Mark chapter 6, verse 41, Mark chapter 6, verse 41, he looked up unto the heavens. That's his style. He knows how to look up. He's the son of God, but he knows how to look up. In Mark chapter 7, verse 34, Mark chapter 7, verse 34, when he opened the mouth of that girl and he said, Ephata, what did he do? Then looking up to heaven, he sighed, wow, and said to him, Ephata, that is, be open. Look up, amen. Tell your neighbor, look up. God is looking down at you. You look up to him. And when he was praying his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, the Bible said, and he looked up unto heaven. And occasionally, apart from looking up in your spirit, 
I will advise that occasionally do it physically as well. That's how the Jews prayed. They will look up, lift their hands unto the heavens. And so that takes me now to Psalm 121. And from that, we'll begin to pray. My part two, just two sentences before we go to how to, or, or to the basis of looking, not the basis now, the, the evidence or the biblical basis, yes, the biblical basis for looking. Or before I go to that, um, let me just wrap up. Part two, what's part two? The faithfulness of God, amen? If God says it, he will do it, Amen? Uh, God has never been found to be unfaithful. If it does not happen, you can't blame God. Just find out where things got amiss. Can't blame God. He is too faithful. He's too faithful. Can you see the 17, verses 17 to 20 that I read in chapter 7, where I kept up saying that according to the word of the man of God, according to the word of the man of God, that's the God we serve. If he says it, he will do it. You won't be an exception. Please go to Psalm 121, verse 1. Praise the name of the Lord. I will lift up my eyes from whence comes my help. Keep going. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven. I hope you are taking it in because it's building a case there. Go back to verse 2, please. I will look up to the hills for welcome my help. The hills does not mean the physical ill. I've read so many commentaries about that. They all came with different explanations. But the man proved to us in verse 2, he was talking about looking up unto God. He said, my help comes from the... So I will look up to the hills from where comes my help. Uh-huh. Because it's a poem he was writing. And said, my help comes from an qualified. The Lord, how did he qualify him? The maker of? And nothing is impossible for him. Never get tired of words that lift up your God. You don't know it all. Open your heart. As I'm saying that, let that stir something in you. That the general tendency of, I know that. No, don't do that. Don't do that. If your lover is telling you, I love you, I love you. When you go to the point, I know that you're in trouble. Let it sound free. He's the maker of heaven and earth. Let that ring in your mind. Because day of trouble may not be far. You will need to refer unto that. That he makes the heaven and the earth. Don't get too familiar with him. My help comes from who? And who is the Lord? The maker of heaven and the earth. Wherever your problem is coming from. Whether it's coming from the spiritual realm. When the Bible talks of heaven, it talks of three realms of, 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 of heaven. It talks of the third heaven where God lives. It talks of the second heaven where demons operate. It talks of the first heaven, which is the firmament. No time for that today. Wherever the problem is coming from, he made them. And the maker always has the key to them. You program something, you can deprogram it. You are the easiest person. The hackers, they will struggle. You only you need to just remove two lines of that code. Everything will crash. He made the heavens and the Verse 3, quickly because of our time. He will not your foot to be moved. He who keeps you. Do you know that's the prayer I pray every night I want to go to bed? I pray for my family. My wife knows I pray for the church. I said, Lord, you are the one that does not sleep or I want to sleep now. I can't take emergency calls. If I take them, I don't know what to do. Keep your people. 
Let there be no alarm in the night. And I sleep. Because it does not sleep. Or men pray that for your household. Your son, your daughter is in a faraway land or wherever in school they are. Lord, I want to sleep. And you mothers constantly watching. Is she back? Where is it? Where is it going? You do not sleep or slumber, Lord. Watch. I want to I want to sleep. I want to sleep. I had, I told my wife yesterday, very rarely, I slept yesterday during the day. Thank you. I mean, I really, really slept. I asked, was I snoring aloud? The answer, the answer is none of your business. I slept. You know, when I woke up, I felt health. I felt retained water come out of my body. Sleep is what has got. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't need it because he doesn't have this flesh. Verse 4. Behold, he who keeps Israel Shall, oh, repeated this again, shall neither slumber. Some of you, you try not to sleep or you slumber. God is not holding away sleep. That's why he does not slumber. It's not fighting sleep. Verse 5, quickly, so that we may pray. As it runs out, there should be seven verses there if I remember. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your... Verse 6, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. That's it. There will be nothing lunatic about you. That's what it means that the moon strikes by night. And lunacy does not need to be clinical lunacy. Does not need to be clinical lunacy. There are so many people who I won't go as far as that. Someone once said everybody has mental illness. It's only the level of presentation that differs. <laughs> Have you caught yourself talking to yourself on the street? Have you caught yourself sighing deeply? I'm not laboring it. I'm only saying the sun shall not strike you. Not the moon by night. Verse 7. The Lord shall preserve you from it shall it shall preserve your soul. Psalm 123 verses 1 and 2. Very quickly. We're establishing the fact that God is the one you look. Will you look up to God? Are you sure? Unto you I lift up my eyes. O you who dwell in Hallelujah. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God. <laughs> look to the Lord our God. Just, I just want the second, the, the next word. Look unto the Lord our God. One more time. One more time. Oh, you are not sounding convinced. One more time. You look until. 
That's what we don't do. We only look and take our eyes. You look until. Ah, Fabian, he's gone. I suppose he was here today. Powerful thing he told us this morning about benchmark at the workers' meeting. He was just sharing with us how, you know, God set the standard. You look up until, until, until he has mercy. Not even until he does it because he's worth it. Even, even the delay, he says, by mercy. Church, you better repent. We come with too much arrogance. The question I always say, I've been praying, I've been fasting, has God not answered? Keep looking until he has mercy on you. That's why they were different from us. Microwave. Nine hundred watts. Set minutes. Three minutes. Press start. Start. And after three minutes, it must be hot and piping. The kingdom of God is not like that. There is no, if anybody tells you the seven steps on to getting miracles, The Lord will deliver us. Amen. My time is nearly up. I probably may just have to pray over you. And then can probably get under five minutes. We tend to save a journey offering. Let me take one or two Bible verses more. Just to encourage your heart. Psalm 34 verse 5. It's another admonition for Psalm 34 verse 5. It's another. They look to. And that's going to be your story very soon. They looked to him and were, and their faces. So what he says that anyone that genuinely looks up to God, their face will never be ashamed. I'm pleading with you again. Once you lock into that look unto God, whatever is happening around you, disregard it. If you don't write anything down, write that one down. Really, that's very prophetic. If you lock your view into God. Whatever is happening around you is irrelevant. Because once you look on God and God can give a feedback into the situation, nothing is greater than his power. He will bring it under control. Your own is to look to him and then he said, and they, 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 they were lighting the old King James Version. Depressive feeling is still there simply because we are not looking unto him. And I'm not making light of our challenges. You know my heart. I'm quite aware. I've been there. I bought the t-shirt myself. Sometimes week in, week out, I go through moments like that where everything looks so difficult and cloudy. But I'm now learning to look unto him. Not to look unto your response. Not to look unto what the statistics is saying. Not to look at what men are saying. Just look unto him. Because I look back the years, as far as the best times were the times where I looked up unto him. Look unto God. Look unto him. Hallelujah. Almost feeling like it's um, somewhere they're almost going to ask you any question, but today's Sunday is preaching. Hallelujah. Look and live. Bye.
The best of men are what? Only men. How do I know? Start working out with greater consciousness of your human, of your humanity, and a greater consciousness of the divinity of God in you. If I say one of the days, I wouldn't be very truthful. But a few of the days. Especially if you're a groomed person, you, have, you groom yourself, you take reasonable care of your body, you, you know, do the necessary things, not vain things, you know, you don't just take good care of your body, you know, cut your hair where you need to, you know, cut the nails, shave, and all the rest of that, have a good wash. And, you know, I just look, I said, one day, if the Lord tarries, this thing will become dust. I don't, I don't know why I just think like that. One day, I don't, do, do, do you even look at something like that? Do you just so you act invisible? Or you make men to, to appear invisible? And I mean it, it's not just once. If I couldn't say once, it would be lying. I say, Lord, you are wonderful. Go ahead, feel clean. I say, even yet, one of these days, if the Lord tarries, the real me will leave. And this will return to the earth. You know what? It's the same for the most anointed men. And wise ones amongst them, better than I've done, they are constantly aware of their humanity. Look to God. Are you hearing me? I'm not talking of half-hearted look to God. Look to God with all your heart. And please don't look to God after you have looked at everything else. It's our usual style. Just like the woman with the issue of blood. And if you are doing that, may the Lord accelerate your disappointment so that you can look to God. Amen. Only two people. Because if he does not, you are wasting time. Time is going. May he accelerate your disappointment. Fountain of love, look to God. Fantastic. I listened remotely what Fabian was teaching us this morning. Difference between benchmark and competition. Don't compete with anyone. Today's not. I, I wish I'd tell you stories. Tell you personal stories, ministry stories. When God started teaching me this teaching many years ago, that stop looking at human beings. Don't compare yourself. What it took people 20 years to achieve, you can achieve it in 20 minutes if the Lord desires. So if he's building you, let him build you. Look and live. Holy Spirit, I depend upon you all day. I'm depending upon you right now. Turn the eyes of this ones to yourself. When they look, 
May they look until. May they look until you have mercy. May we look until you have mercy. Some through discouragement that may not have been in church today, lift their hearts, O God. Some who came in so discouraged this morning, in mercy, Lord, let them live encouraged. For we serve a faithful God. Your, our cases shall not be different. We've had all sorts of things we've done before, Lord. You hit cancers before. You've given 60-year-olds children before. You've given women without even wombs children before. <clears throat> you've made those who are in abject poverty, you've made them to be lenders unto institutions. You are still God. We look on you together today. Those whom the Lord has written up because they have stumbled in their Christian work, you have picked them up and they are doing mighty exploits for you. Our eyes are on you. Hear us today, oh God. If that will help you as I pray for you, and you just you have about 30 seconds to present your case before the Lord. Shall we please lift our hands unto the heavens? And if you are disposed to do that, just look up unto Him. Lord, my face are on you. My eyes are on you. Thank you for the doctors, but my eyes are not on the doctors. Thank you for the bankers and the lenders, but my eyes are not on them. Thank you for the pastors, oh God, and the general overseers, but my eyes are not on them. Thank you for my employer, but my eyes are not on them. I look up to you, God. I look up to you. I look up to you. I look up to you alone. Maybe for your child, look up to God. Maybe for yourself, look up to God. Maybe for your mother, for your father. Maybe for your siblings. Maybe for your business, look up to God. For your circumstance, look up to him right now. Look up, look up. He's looking at you. Set your eyes on Jesus alone. Just take the time on your own and say, Lord, I'm looking up unto you. If you don't help me, if I don't get help from you, I'm in big trouble. Thank you, Jesus. see your face may we receive from your hand and 
Father, I pray that living here, the faith of your people shall rise. And even when we are alone, unto you alone will we look. And we know you will look down on us and you will bless us. Holy Spirit, divine my God, continue your work in the life of your people. From this short exhortation, let there be testimonies. Let our attitude change. Save our communities. Let your name be glorified. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Jesus' marvelous name we pray. Hallelujah. God bless you. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.